Yeah, bro. And then when he says it's like rigged or whatever and he won't leave office, then it's like, also it's like, then like, what does that, like, I'm not going out there. I, I'm not going out and when, when Donald Trump says it's rigged and he's not leaving office, like, I, no, get someone else to do it. I'm not going to get the Rona or get shot by, like, Timmy with a fucking AR-15, bro. So right. It's like, who does it select for? So then who So then, who does that scenario select for? It's like, what type of people would go out and what type of people would go out to counter the shit? And what what demographic is that? And then it's just like... Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're talking... And we can, you can, might as well, we might as well just get back into it. All right, let's get into it. Well, let's get into damn, it. let me go get another beer. Now that you mention it, yeah. Now that you mention it. Mention it. Mention, mention it. Yeah. Mentioned it podcast with Kevin and Dane. I'm Dane. Mm, and I'm Kevin. Hmm, and I'm Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, episode 30. Wow. What a milestone. Is it? Is it? I don't 30, think so. 30 no. is not a milestone? No, maybe like, you know, 50. Like episode okay, 50. 50 would be like a milestone. Okay. All right. My bad for preemptively like declaring it a milestone. Okay. That's like, that's like somebody having a, a baby and they're like having a party because the baby's nine months or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, f- uh, fuck it then. Um, okay. So on today for the main segment of today's show, we are talking about um, a Chris Hedges article from 2018 titled the useful idiocy of donald trump which i think is going to open up into a larger discussion of the current state of politics um and which was suggested by Mm -hmm. a listener so this is our first ever listener suggested episode which we've been wanting to get right which we've been wanting to do for a while this suggestion comes from my uncle hale who is devout I could devout listener, <laughs> no, not devout listener, but um, who who sent us a really thoughtful email and suggested a number of topics, and um, one of them was this link to this really interesting Chris Hedges article, and Kevin's opening monologue pairs nicely with this, so it worked out perfectly. So uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. Wow. So we're just jumping right into it, huh? Let's like, go. Like no foreplay. No preamble. <laughs> okay. So this isn't going to be your typical monologue in terms of it being a fully fleshed out piece. I have a bunch of bullet note, uh, bullet points, though. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what we're going to talk about today, folks, <laughs> is voting and why I think you should vote for Joe Biden in November. (laughs) Mm. 
no, I'm I'm just playing. Um, but seriously, uh, the the last I say, when did the NBA jump back into uh into the season? I July. Truly, I truly don't know. July but, sounds right. Yeah, yeah, something like July. But um, the entire like the whole like you could put like slogans on the jerseys and all of that shit or whatever. Mm. And, you know, cats were like opting for the slogan vote. And it occurred to me that as much emphasis, the, the emphasis that we place on voting in a lot of ways does more harm than good. And okay. specifically in relation in relation to just political participation. I think like we've gotten to a point that we valorize voting so much that it's just become this, you know, for the every four year duty. But then everything else, all the 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 however many days <laughs> in between the next cycle you aren't really doing anything to further these causes that you say are on the ballot in the words of Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, to me with this Trump situation, I've, I've been like at war with myself about, well, first of all, I live in New York, so I don't have to vote for Trump. I can write in a can of soup and literally uh, Biden's going to get New York. So, yeah, right. mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about that. Um, you know, about making, about casting a vote for Joe Biden, knowing how shitty Joe Biden's record is and everything like that. And worrying that it might actually matter. Right. In terms of, in terms of exactly. Donald Trump. Right? Exactly. You don't live in Michigan or Pennsylvania. Exactly. Or Wisconsin yeah, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so for people who have to make that decision in in the swing states, um, I don't envy you. But um, just thinking about this, like everyone's like, oh, you know, Trump is is just turning into this authoritarian fascist dictator and shit, right? And and if we if we give him another four years, like our democracy will be, you know, ruined and. It'll be non-existent, so on and so forth. And I just think like, well, okay, so you're telling everybody to vote and you're telling people to vote for Joe Biden because Trump is so bad and that's the most important thing. But we aren't voting for anything in voting for Joe Biden. You're just voting because he's not Trump. Mm -hmm. So on January 21st, when Biden gets inaugurated, then what? Because now you're in a situation where you have somebody who, whose policies, who was a part of the, the very administration that gave you Donald Trump. And so it, to me, it's like telling people to vote without any, without having any demands, without having any like faith that anything is going to actually change. It's like a slap in the face 
to see it just plastered over TV on social media. Everybody's telling you to vote, vote and all of this stuff. But it's like, what are we actually getting ourselves into by just voting and that's it, right? Like it, it, it's sort of like we're the, the lesser of two evil shit is what everybody brings up, right? Um, you know, got to vote for Biden because he's not Trump. He's not, you know, some neo-fascist or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But at what point <laughs> do people get the opportunity to vote for something, right? Like to vote for whether it's free health care, whether it's universal, um, it could be fucking anything, right? Like it just the ability to vote for something outside of just this lesser of two evils paradigm is maddening to me. And I haven't seen it to this extent since Trump. Like it's always sort of been like that when you go back through history and look at who's, you know, ran for president. But Mm -hmm. right now the hysteria around Trump completely glosses over that you'll be prepping this place for an even worse and more competent Trump by voting in Biden. And so it's like, it's so fucked because you don't want to give Trump another four years, but I I'm actually more afraid of what potential, what, you know, the potential Trump, the Trump 2.0 after a Biden Harris administration. Like, Mm. so yeah. and, And to like, sort of, like I said, to sort of gloss over that reality, I think, um, just flattens like, our ability to actually change some shit and to, and to even like diagnose the problem in a, in a real way to even change it. Like, as opposed to looking at, you know, at Trump as the sort of end all be all of America's ills and then voting him out somehow, you know, gives us a clean slate. Now we have the sort of tabla rasa (laughs) of, you know, in a sense where now we can just start over or whatever. Like this isn't a reset button. And I think people need to know that this isn't a reset button and that you are setting yourself up for an even worse version of this buffoon. One that's, that's way more respectable, very, uh, articulate. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm not saying don't go vote for Biden, you know, to vote out Trump, but definitely keep in mind, like that a vote for Biden is a potential vote for an even worse Trump. If you don't wake up and (laughs) understand that the work doesn't end with voting Trump out of office. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. So I'm trying to, um, parse sort of what your argument rests on. And so I, I totally agree if people position Biden as, well, 
two things. A, if people position Trump as like the problem, the current problems that are bubbling up are start and end with Trump. That's obviously ridiculous. And then the, the flip side of that would be that getting rid of Trump just somehow solves all of our problems. Anyone that's saying that I think is just wrong. So if that is so people making the case for Biden on that basis, I think is just totally mis are totally misguided. Well, and but that's the overwhelming. You think that you think <laughs> oh, that's what yeah. it is? That's the overwhelming majority of people. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's that's okay. the that, whole. That, that's that the might, that's the whole reason why I'm even talking about this. That it, might be the case. I personally, I mean, maybe it's just because I impute what I think onto mm-hmm. others because mm-hmm. I. The, the, the metaphor or whatever uh, analogy that I think I've used, maybe not on this podcast, but talking to you mm-hmm. just personally about it, is that um, if the United States is a car, then it's got all sorts of fundamental – like there's – it's got three fucking tires on it. Mm-hmm. It needs an oil ch- – it's, it's all sorts of – it's like 50 years fucking out of date. It's got a bajillion – it's all fucked up. Mm-hmm. But there's currently like a monkey driving it, <laughs> heading towards the cliff. So that's why I, I've said on this spot, I would vote for damn near anyone over Trump. That's how that's how sort of deep my my anti Trump bona fides go. Mm-hmm. Like I would like and so I can kind of just say that honestly, like it doesn't matter. I will vote for Joe Biden. I would I would vote for Hillary Clinton. I would vote for make them as bad as you want. Just just off of that basis. Well, at the same time, acknowledging that Trump is far from the end all be all of the problems. And then, OK, maybe this is going to be more of a main segment thing. But, but see, so real quick, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. So. And so that, yeah, so maybe I should have lived with that. But that was, that's the overwhelming sort of, that's the consensus on this is like. Get rid of Trump and get get rid rid of of, problems. Get rid of Trump. And it's like, we get, you know, it's, it's all, it's really just like people are like talking about decorum and civility and all of this shit or whatever. And it's like, oh, we get a, we get Biden, we get someone who. Who can, you know, make us feel like everything's going to be all right and, you know, all of this type of shit. Right. While, like I said, completely ignoring the very system that gave you Donald Trump. And so for someone like you to say, well, I'll vote for anybody, you know, not Trump. The reason I don't push back on that is. I'm giving you more credit for having understood that, well, Trump is a byproduct of a larger system and yeah, get Trump out of there. But knowing that that's not where the shit stops, people are thinking that they're going to get to go back to this place of, you know, the Obama presidency where it was all, you know, vanity fair photo shoots and fucking, you know, smiles and shit. Yeah. And that just, like I said, that just glosses over everything that gave you Trump in the first place. And you are asking to go back to that. Yeah. (laughs) So something is fundamentally wrong with that logic. 
And so that's where I'm pushing back on everybody's pushing this whole like and, and it's always that way. Like it, there's always the out of the Occupy movement. It was, you know, funnel that into electoral politics. Black Lives Matter, funnel that into electoral politics or whatever. Right. Um, and so we're seeing that again. And it's just like for me, at what point, at what point will the populace sort of put, you know, two and two together? Like you see what people are out here in the streets protesting against and, and fighting for. And then you look at the you look at the political system and all you've done is just you've collapsed everything into Trump. All of those issues are Trump. People are in the streets because of Trump. People are, you know, all of this shit is it's Trump's fault. And so it's just like, so the natural logic that follows is, well, get Trump out of office and then a lot of these problems will be alleviated. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't explicitly say that, that's that's essentially where you're leading people. And that's when it's like you see every, you know, all the NBA cats with the vote, LeBron's wearing the voter die. And, you know, and that's why I said, like, we valorize voting, but the populace is completely undereducated in terms of how the political system works and what, you know, sort of machinations are at work right now. And so while we're valorizing the vote and telling everybody to vote and LeBron's, you know, putting money behind getting, you know, people's vote restored and all this other shit. You aren't teaching people how the political system works so that they, that vote, that's an informed vote. You know what I'm saying? Like it gives it a different sort of gravitas when people know what the fuck is going on and they're able to make decisions make informed decisions you have you going to the the monkey uh analogy people the average american is like the monkey driving the car when it comes to voting right yeah and so and the fact that we just sort of get sucked into this every four years and every four years is the is the you know most important election ever and you have to vote the the you know the Republican ogre out of office every four years or whatever, and it's just like all the shit that that people could be holding and holding out their vote for, they don't because they've been you know they've been uh, you know bombarded with this whole idea of Trump being the boogeyman, <laughs> so. Yeah. You don't have like the population isn't telling Biden, um, fuck you. We're not voting for you if you don't give us if you don't get rid of student debt. Yeah. Like, fuck you. I don't care that Trump's in there. We're not voting for you if you don't, you know, if you don't pass Medicare for all. So it's like, at what point does at what point do we have a population that's actually going to do that type of shit? as opposed to just falling into the whole like, oh, well, Trump's so, you know, he's so bad and he's this and he's that. And you just flatten out any possibility of actually changing anything. You just in the same, you stuck in the same paradigm. 
because yeah. next the next time around, you know, whoever it is, if by Bi- well, a Biden presidency just basically means Harris. So the Harris reelection campaign will be you don't want you don't want to vote for me because you don't want the Republican. <laughs> and then vote for me when they when they aren't in office, vote for me because I'm not the Republican. And yeah. it's just like we stuck in that paradigm. You n- Nothing's ever going to change. So. Yeah. So so I, I have a couple I have a couple of thoughts, one of one of which I'm going to save for the main segment, but I definitely don't want to lose that one. But the other is that I think I find myself in the sometimes uncomfortable position of of totally thinking like you. But about, you know, this is sort of like a crystal ball in phrase, but like the systemic rot that mm-hmm. has, you know, we like to talk about neoliberalism on mm-hmm. this program, but also a lot of pundits that I see that 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 sort of material is their like area of concern. To me, when I see them, they they flatten or they gloss over just how bad Trump is. So I think both things can I think both things can be true and Lately, I mean, I think coronavirus has cast that into relief where in a world without coronavirus, I think I would be more okay with seeing people with huge platforms just lambasting Joe Biden. But now in a fucking crisis time, I find myself in the position where I'm like, well, yeah, all of those things can be true, but let's not lose sight of just just how radically inept Donald Trump is. So. The argument that these lesser of two evil paradigms give me an opt-out, I've never bought. Lesser of two evil situations are fraught and they're difficult and they're unenviable. And I wouldn't wish that to be the case if I were fucking philosopher king and I could just will shit into existence. I wouldn't want the political system or I wouldn't want voters thrust into a, a situation such that they are constantly choosing between the lesser of two evils. Yet, mm. I'm, I haven't been convinced that just pointing out that we are in a lesser of two evil situation gives people a legitimate opt-out and saying, you know what, I reject the whole thing altogether. I, I just, I've never heard a convincing argument for that line of reasoning. Wait, you said in, to opt out in what way? To like with to like protest, not vote, write in a third party oh, or something. No, you, yes, you do. You have the electoral. I, I cannot vote now. And like I said, New York, the state of New York is going to go to Donald. I mean, is going to go to Joe Biden. Right, but the I'm, state of but, if you if you're a voter in California, you can vote down ballot and not write in anything for the president. And the electoral college is going to go <laughs> to the Democrat. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm even t- I'm taking it out of politics altogether. Let's just say you you have a choice between I'm ju- I'm talking about like more like the core of the issue. Like oh, you have a choice. Well, I mean, but things. but I, you have a choice between two things, and it's a lesser of two evil situation. Yeah, but that, I you're think, not gonna make you're you're gonna you're gonna abstain from making the choice altogether just because you have the wherewithal to notice that it's a lesser of two evil situation. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. It never has. Yeah, that's you sort of abstract because. It makes sense in the context of an electoral system that operates like that in in where your vote in an in an electoral system 
may not have that much effect because of how it's set up. And so you can abstain from voting. So, yeah, if you if you try to abstract it or, or look at it at its core, if, yeah, if you're talking about like, well, do you want to, you know, I don't know, do you want to smoke crack or do heroin? I mean, what like, yeah, of course, that's some you don't want to do either. But I guess smoking crack is the lesser. Is the lesser of the evils in that sense. So, yeah, smoke crack, I guess. But I mean, in in an elect an electoral system that is pretty much designed to give you that sort of that sort of outcome. I, I'm I'm just like, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> and I think you can't and because you can't because it's actually built into the system, because you have the electoral college and not we don't operate off the popular vote, you have that choice to say, fuck it. If I live in Alabama, if you are a far right, mar- I mean, a far left Marxist Leninist and you say, I don't want to ever fucking vote. You don't have to because you already know that the fucking state of Alabama is going to go to the Republican, period. So in that sense, you can sit here and say we have a lesser of two evil system that is self-perpetuating. Right. But the, but but the situations you've just given are situations where. The there there are no stakes for the decision to participate or abstain. I'm saying where there are actually stakes, like for for, well, for but progressive. Yeah, but that's what. But I but I said that in 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 the beginning. I said that I don't envy the person who lives in Wisconsin, and you know their vote in that sense matters because it's a swing state. If you're in a swing state, then yeah, you take the lesser of two evils because. In a materialist view, it's still less evil, but that's not. But the fact that this system allows for a vast majority of its population to actually do that shit, because more people live in New York, more people live in California, more people live in Texas, like states that are like heavily populated. You already know where it's going. And so if you are sitting here and you're saying, I can't stomach either Joe Biden or Donald Trump, you can make the decision to say, no, I'm not going to vote and I'm going to vote my conscience or, you know, and I write in whoever, or I just leave that shit blank or whatever like that. Then it, it doesn't, it doesn't have as much effect. And I guess that's, like I said, that's just a, a an issue with the system that renders so many people's vote yeah, yeah. ineffectual like that to where that decision yeah. can be made. We can take a little break, come back. We've got some new music from in-house sound designer Chris Giuliano. And there's Bronny. <laughs> right. Um, so, so let's take a break. We'll we'll take a break and come back and talk about this Chris Hedges article.
welcome back to the Now That You Mentioned It podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed that break and the new music courtesy of uh, Chris Giuliano. Everyone go check him out. Um, and go check out the art. I think the art of Hale Allen, who this episode is is courtesy of for the episode suggestion. Um, and uh, yeah, at this time, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to us on all of the, your various podcast apps. Subscribe on both. Mm-hmm. Subscribe both on Spotify and on Apple. And if you're like, if you fuck with Stitcher. Or- Stitcher. There's some other ones that I've seen that we are not on. No, I thought we were on Google. I think we're on Google Play. We're on Google Play, and then whatever Amazon, whatever Amazon has. Bezos. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever one is Amazon one, like, uh, and then there's a yeah, we're on Stitcher, but we need to get on Spreaker. I think that's another Spreaker. Yeah, I think that's it. They're just making up shit at this point. <laughs> oh, are you on Fleeker? It's like, what? <laughs> hey, there's a beer. There's a beer at uh, Morea called On Fleek that they serve. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a stout. Okay. Dark, very, very chocolatey, very delicious. Oh, very velvety. <laughs> very delicious. And it's, bro, and it, the shit's like 13. Five percent alcohol. So yeah, you get I'm a can, you get a can of that, and you're you're straight. I'm good. I'm good because I I don't need like a, like a Hershey's bar, and then I'm like fucking drunk and <laughs> fat at the same time. <laughs> I only need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something to be said about that. Like you, like. There's diminishing with any with anything that you get fucked up on. There's, I mean, and everyone knows this, but it's diminishing returns. Right. So like, you have one beer, like a good beer, and you're like nice and buzzing, and then it's like I always I should stop there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I should stop there because that is perfect when you're just buzzing. But then it's like then then you you're like tired, but you're still searching. You're still looking for that buzz, and more won't do it. And then it's just like you're just slobbering and. <laughs> In incoherent. No, no, my max is two. My max. Is I think that's a good policy, bro. That's a really strong policy. Yeah, my max is two yeah. at all time. So, like, yeah. I'm on my second now. I won't have another one today. That's good. And you know what? That because then you could like rebound with a coffee. Right. That's what I do. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait. Okay. So yeah. So subscribe to us on all everything. You know, makeup apps. You know. Yeah, so we can whatever you need to do. Um, continue suggesting shit to us. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen. Um, and yeah, the main segment. Let's get into it. The useful idiocy of Donald Trump is the article title written by Chris Hedges, published in tw- sometime in 2018. Um, what is Hedges saying? He's his base. His argument here is that the problem with Donald Trump is not that he is inept and idiotic. Um, It's more that he has opened the gates, surrendered power to the like neoliberal elites um, and has sort of abandoned all pretense um, that the government is there to do anything other than just sort of serve the interests of like 
corporations and privatization and all that stuff. Is that an accurate assessment of what Hedges is saying? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the only thing I would, uh, only thing I would sort of tweak, and I kind of said this to you off during the break, but I think that that Trump actually represents a different class of billionaire elites. It's more of the lower tiered uh, billionaires who are really looking to like maximize their profit, um, expand or, you know, double their net worth as opposed to the truly, truly ruling, at least the, the Bloomberg's and, you know, the Bezos, people like that who are looking for stability. They're looking for a competent steward of mm-hmm. the American empire, as opposed to somebody erratic, as erratic yeah. as Trump, <clears throat> who yes. basically just like, because he is in it for himself, he represents people of his class who are also just in it for themselves. And not to say that Bezos isn't in it for himself, making, you know, his net worth is now $200 billion or some ridiculous shit. But he understands that, I need this place to be intact for my power and my wealth to mean anything. Mm. Whereas people like Trump and someone as, you know, sort of just money hungry and imbecilic as Trump is just driven by the accumulation of wealth. And so he'll, you know, do whatever for that. And so will like the Sheldon Adelsons and the Mercers and people like that who mm-hmm. who are Trump's, you know, big don't like you see the Papa John's guy. Like he looks like a <laughs> snake who would do fucking any like he looks like he'll steal five dollars yeah, today. Right. <laughs> today. So yeah, yeah. people like that, like that's who Trump represents. So while I think what I think that hedges in saying that that Trump represents the neoliberal elite, I think would be, would be more accurate to just say he represents in uh, a faction of the oligarch or the Mm -hmm. oligarchy. But um, it's definitely not the straight neoliberal elite though. Yeah. Yeah. So just to sharpen up what Hedges is saying here and then, we can get into um, and then well, real quick, and, but ahead, and, but it's also and it's also sort of important to note because this came out in 2018. I mm-hmm. think the fault lines that we're seeing today are just more apparent because you know obviously with the with the Trump tax cuts and shit like that, Bezos and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Mike Bloomberg and all of them benefited, of course, and so to you know write this in 2018 and say that I think makes more sense but I think now after all of the dust is settled now it's sort of like well Trump's you know Trump's usefulness is has diminished for a certain class or a certain group or faction of the oligarchy as you know than it was in than he was in 2018 yeah yeah, that seems that seems right to me. Um, so, 
so yeah, just to just to sharpen up uh, what Hedges is saying here, and then we'll get into what we think about it, whether or not it, what, what issues we have with it, if any. Um, Hedges is saying that what ought concern us about Trump is not what people are often preoccupied with, like his how erratic he is, how unstable, how um, you know his tweets, the, like the latest provocative, controversial, like horror show thing he's done. What's really what really ought concern us is that he has, and here I'll quote directly: he has handed the machinery of government over to the bankers, corporate executives right-wing think tanks, intelligence chiefs, and generals that are eradicating the few regulations and laws that inhibited a naked kleptocracy. <laughs> um, so, pages. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he really is. A, he, he's, he's, yeah, he's a really good writer. Um, Trump provides the daily entertainment. The elites handle the business of looting, exploiting, and, and destroying. So another contention which I'll, I'll sort of I'll sort of just rehearse hedges argument before getting into any sort of like editorializing about it um, he notes that the what he calls the elites moral and intellectual vacuum produced Trump I'm on board with that one of his core claims sort of subsidiary to the claim that the, the problem with Trump is not that he's inept and imbecilic. It's more that he has surrendered power to these oligarchic and military elites um, would be the claim that there is no fundamental distinction to be made between Trump and former presidents like GW, uh, like George W. Bush, Obama, Bill Clinton. Uh, he mentions all these presidents by name and, and, and says that they all lack a moral compass. It's just that Trump lacks the, the front of respectability, um, though ultimately uh, they're all the same. And he says, the grotesque visage of Trump is the true face of politicians such as George W. Bush, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama. The Clintons and Obama, unlike Bush and Trump, are self-aware and therefore cynical, but all lack a moral compass. Trump has no scruples. And this makes him identical to those he has replaced, not different. So, that, I mean, I think that that basically is is the core of what of what Hedges is saying here. So, what what was your reaction to this article? Do you think it's totally right? What do you think? Where do you, where if any places do you think it goes wrong? So and so on. Um, well, so yeah, I, I kind of gave where I think where I think it didn't age well. Mm. Um, it just in terms of like who Trump represents actually, like at, when it really boils down to it, um, as opposed to, so like it, he even says like Trump, Trump backed by most retrograde elements of corporate capitalism, including Robert and Rebecca Mercer, uh, Sheldon Adelson and uh, Carl Icahn. And so those are in the, in the realm of billionaires, marginal figures, um, people who have political power because they've put they've put money into um, a bunch of right wing think tanks and shit like that, backed you know countless candidates and everything, 
um, in order to try to maximize their, you know, personal wealth. And so I think, I think to say that, that Trump and the Clintons and the Obamas are the same, they, they all operate or, you know, sort of work in the, in the favor of billionaire interest. Like that's just a fact, but which ones, you know, which billionaire interest they represent and then sort of what the project of those billionaire interests are diverges. So again, you have the Trump, uh, sort of right wing people he represents is just a fucking death cult. Like all they're worried about is short term profit. So yeah, so that's the only thing I would say about about Hedge's assessment is just, you know, who's who Trump is actually working for in that regard. Um but they're both working for the ultimate end is the same in terms of just a, a furtherance of the American empire. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. you can't sort of be the president and not like, that's, that's the job. Like that's the job. So, um, yeah, I would just say how, how they approach that job is, is different. Okay. So I, I think my, the, the main thing, that um, I found myself sort of bristling at, let's say, um, is that Hedges sort of lays the groundwork to undermining his own argument. When he says that there is that, that, I mean, he uses really strong language, like he could have been more subtle. He says that there's no fundamental distinction to be made between people like Trump and former presidents. He says they are identical. Those are his words. So you say that, but then you say something like, but then you say something like, quote, Trump's bizarre ramblings and behavior also serve a useful purpose. They are a colorful diversion from the raising of democratic institutions. As cable news networks feed us stories of his trysts with a porn actress and outlandish tweets, the real work of the elites is being carried out largely away from public uh, from public view. The courts are stacked with Federalist Society judges. The fossil fuel industry is plundering public lands and the coastlines and ripping up regulations that protected us from its poisons. And the Pentagon, given carte blanche, is engaged in an orgy of mili- militarism with a trillion-dollar-a-year budget. Okay, well, is it, is it – am I missing something here? Who allowed that to happen? I mean, the Trump administration is the one rolling back these regulations. I, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I don't underst- the 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 bloated military budget. Okay, that's the one thing that I think would be okay. okay so would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I guess it's it's it, it he's he's trying to walk this tightrope where he's saying there's no fundamental so distinction to be I, made, I, but then I, he's saying there is. I think I think the I I think Trump is unique in his buffoonery in in sort of the erratic behavior and everything like that. His function, I think, 
holds a similar function as, I mean, because it, it really like Bush, if you go back to looking at articles in 2003 and shit like that, people were talking about Bush, you know, showing signs of being a fascist sort of authoritarian or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really what we're seeing in real time is the sort of, and I hate the phrase, the Overton window, but we're seeing the Overton window being pulled further to the right by Trump. And then the reaction to Trump, which is just like, oh, let's just go back to where we were before Trump, which is right. still yeah, yeah. very right wing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing. But in terms of Trump as this like sort of media phenomenon, like number one, he was already this like reality TV motherfucker and just a person just in the public eye since the eighties or whatever in general. But I think what he didn't sort of what, what hedges didn't um, point out was is really like Obama was like the first sort of celebrity president in the same way that Trump is. And the reason I say that is think about the shit that, that was written about Obama and like all the sort of, Like motherfuckers would have Obama do the March Madness fucking uh, picking his shit and having this bracket and shit up or whatever all the time. Like it would be like they they made Obama into a celebrity phenomenon, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a divergent. That's a clear sort of like, okay. We want you guys to look at and, and be sort of enamored by Obama, the personality, right? Like he can, he's, you know, the a Harvard law professor. He's, he can fucking sing Al Green, like all of this shit. Yet you've got an administration where 95% of the wealth gains from 2008 to 2016 went to, you know, the top 1%. Um, the military, you know, budget continued to, you know, expand and the fucking Latinx community dubbed Obama the deporter in chief. So, yeah, I mean, is Trump unique in how he's represented and sort of like the performance that he gives? Yeah, I would say so. We haven't seen like. People thought Bush was dumb and then Trump, you know, took it to another level. But the function, I think you you can draw parallels to a similar function of an Obama where it's just like, well, people were so enamored by Obama, the personality that you didn't think about all the shit that he did, you know, that his administration let let slide that was fucked up in that set up like I you know like I said earlier that set up the country to even have it where Trump is is elected so so I yeah I would I would definitely draw I would I could definitely draw some parallels between those two right I guess yeah I mean uh, okay a number of things yeah drawing parallels I think is is I'm all I'm on board with it's that's the strong language of being identical to and 
not being able to make a distinction between that gets that like that sort of gets my suspicious mind like going. And then that's where I get suspicious that it sort of bleeds into this kind of false equivalency, moral, moral relatives, moral relativism area that I'm so, so suspicious of like, um, and I should say like replace Bush with Trump. And I'm, and I think my argument still holds up. And I think this touches on something that, also bothers me which is that which is that it's sort of this this tragic situation that the two parties we we judge them with the same metrics and yet and and yet one party fundamentally doesn't believe in the role of government to affect change the other does However, however convoluted you want to you want to claim that they are like let like let I just I just took one one concrete example just like the environment because I thought it was a pretty neutral environment neutral area like to say that the Trump administration is just replaceable with any of these prior administrations is just I think just flies in the face of the fact like you're just wrong about that because they are sort of animated by this rationale that says the role of government that they don't they, they motherfuckers don't believe in government they appoint people who are antagonistic to the very institutions to have the institutions they hollow the institutions out i just want to go through my 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 environment example because i i, I think this is the most sort of concise way that i can that i can articulate my frustration with a lot of the discourse that i see including this article I looked up what Trump, what the Trump administration has done in terms of the environment. New York Times article, uh, Harvard Law School, Harvard uh, Columbia Law School study outlined a hundred regula- environmental regulations that the Trump administration has repealed, rolled back, or weakened. I'll just name a few of them, but there's a ho- over a hundred of them. Weakened Obama, uh, an Obama regulation improving greenhouse gas standard- standards for cars and trucks. Withdrew an Obama rule that limited mercury emissions from coal power plants. Canceled a law that required oil or gas companies to report methane emissions. Weakened an Obama rule centered on reducing air pollution in national parks. Undoing part of the Clean Air Act of 1963 by holding polluters to lower standards, which one senator said was the worst environmental sin from the Trump administration yet. And I don't know when that was. And then there's just like also, but, and that's five that I just named of the 100. And then there's also just shit that I can't rationalize. Like, like there was, I read this one about, they rescinded a rule that limited the release of hydrofluorocarbons, which are the, this nox, noxious byproduct of like refrigerants, refrigerators and AC units. It's like, the, the, the litmus test that I find myself going to is like, would X politician, X other politician do that? And if you can say in clean conscience that, yeah, they would, and it's all the fucking same, then props to you, guy. But if you're, but, but so I think the I can't in clean conscience say that a Joe Biden administration would be, would be doing this shit because this for, is- however bad they are, they believe in, in, at least to some degree of government to actually affect change. Well, you so I can't agree with that. I can't agree with that with the fact that the 
that the Democrats think that government can affect change because they they don't use their office to affect any change. Um, I mean, you talk about the the military budget uh, under Trump. I mean, that's that's gotten damn near to a trillion dollars under a House led under under a Democrat House, right? So it's like, and then all these 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 sort of bills and shit that are getting passed are getting passed with a Democrat house. Like bills have to, it still has to go through Congress. It still has to go through the house and has to go through Senate before Trump signs his signature and shows his little shit. So, you know, so you can't make that argument. You can't look at Trump in a vacuum as though he's operating outside of congressional well, a lot of those you can because they're just executive orders that he can just snap his fingers in on. And, 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 on with executive, and then even with executive orders, executive orders last as long as the administration. So executive orders aren't laws. They're executive mm-hmm. orders. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, if that shit was a law, if those if those uh, um, environmental regulations were were uh, turned into some type of laws about that shit, then maybe I'd be a bit more frightened. But really what I see is I don't look at these administrations. We have a we have two parties. They're just one wing of the same bird. Now, how they sort of operate and get us to certain points is one thing. The Democrats like soft power more. The Republicans work off of mock politique, power politics. Now, the main goal is the expansion and continuance and furtherance of the American empire. This shit is a process. Now, you can say, well, you can say all this shit that Trump has, that the Trump administration has done or whatever. It's coming out of a certain context. It's coming out of a a far right neoconservative context. These these right wing think tanks, these these fucking Republican um, senators and and uh, congressmen and women. These people, they aren't the Trump administration per se. They're part of a right wing political project. So. You can substitute Trump for damn near anybody on the right. And this would be the project that is going to be that they're going to pursue because Mm -hmm. we've gotten to a place where the the opposition is the goddamn right wing. Obama himself said in an interview, my policies are moderate Republican. It's it's uh, an interview from 2009. He said his his policies are moderate Republican. So if the left wing, uh, if the Democrats are supposed to be the left and your president is telling you that my policies, how I govern is moderate Republican. Well, what the fuck do you think the Republican Party is going to be? And what do you think the outgrowth of the Republican Party is going to be in response to a Barack Obama presidency? two-term black motherfucker with a with a name Barack Hussein. I, you could literally plug in any right-winger for this Trump administration 
And the response to that Obama tenure in, in the presidency would have been the same. And I would I would actually say it would be far worse if you have somebody who was actually competent at getting this shit passed in a real way. Mm-hmm. And this shit is a process. History, politics, society. This is we live within an ongoing process. This shit isn't just like events that we mark down and we can look at shit and extrapolate it and and have it sit in its own vacuum, so so to speak. The reason that you have Trump is because you had enough motherfuckers who lost jobs, lost money, lost homes and everything like that to where they either said, fuck it, I'm not going to vote for Hillary or fuck it, I'm I'm mad enough to vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. You don't get that if you have an if you have an effective Democratic Party that actually believes in governance and believes that government can actually affect real change and change for people on the ground who need the fucking help. So when you say that, what I see when I see the Democratic Party, I see the fucking Washington generals. Do you think the Washington generals go out and play against the Harlem Globetrotters and think they're going to win? No, because they're paid not to. That's the. How do you have a democratic part? How can you sit here and say that they believe in in all of this shit or whatever? But you have Trump. If you had a party that actually did, if you had if you had an effective party, when the banks when the banks went under in two thousand eight, why didn't you say why didn't you bail out the people? Hmm. You wouldn't have Trump. All you would have to say is, look, look, when the banks went under, we bailed out the people instead of instead of the banks. It's countless people who have who literally lost everything. People who voted for Obama twice voted for for Trump. For that very fact. Because they they lost shit under his under his presidency. So it's like. Trump is is an outgrowth of poor governance on the part of the Democratic Party and specifically the Obama administration. And so to me, it's like I I don't have much faith in <laughs> in the Democrats really doing anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I don't have enough evidence or I don't I just don't know enough about sort of political history to know to really have a solid opinion but what I do have a solid opinion on is that from what I'm able to discern it's that it's that the right and the left are playing on uneven ground it's asymmetric warfare because you have one side Right, which that, I said they're the fucking Washington generals. <laughs> but but you have one side that fundamentally doesn't believe in the role of government. And we we have a system that tragically depends on compromise between two sides in order to affect change. So so, then, so holding the the people that so holding the other side accountable to me doesn't seem f- 
fair when you have one side that's playing by a whole different set of rules. But then that's all. That's, that's all. I'm. But that's bullshit because the the other side is the other side knows that the other side knows that they aren't playing by the rules, but then are compromising with the other side and being pulled to the other side. Right. Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is like I, I don't understand how you're saying what you're saying. Well, I guess what is the what what is the appropriate like what ought what ought someone who is left leaning and wants to like what ought someone do like when you're playing on this lopsided terrain? I don't. I just don't. I just don't understand. If we're talking about like. Are you asking what what should uh, individual politicians do or individual voters? Like, who are you asking about who should do what? Yeah, let's go with let's go with let's go with a politician. Like, you're 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 entering into a system that demands compromise, and any compromise from you it inevitably results in a sl- slide to the other side because of this fundamentally unequal playing field. And then it's real easy to sit here. Go ahead, go ahead. I would just say the, the playing field to me is only uneven because the, the Democrats have already acquiesced to being pulled. Okay. Fa- yeah. Fair enough. Like if, if you, you could easily say, no, fuck that. We aren't doing X or whatever. We're going to hold the shit up. We're going to filibuster. I mean, they pulled the filibuster, but you know, whatever, we're going to do whatever to obstruct block all of that shit. They don't do that. (laughs) They give the Republicans what they want and then go and then like say, Oh, they're racist and you know, sexist and in whatever, whatever, and sort of play on this, like, you know, sentimentality card, but when it comes to actual policy and governance, they're in lockstep. Like when you look at the shit that matters, when you look at economic policy and wealth uh, distribution, when you look at the military budget, when you <laughs> look at all of the shit that that really affects our lives, they're moving to the right with that shit. Yeah, yeah. And the way that you combat that is to not do it. I mean, you, you aren't, you don't have a gun to your head, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I don't know how many uh, house Democrats are sitting up worrying about the sniper. If they got a, if they cast the, if they say no to the military budget to, you know, up in the military budget, another 15%. Like, well, that's absurd. I'm not, def- I mean, the thing is, is like, I'm not defending any of these moves. I guess I'm just trying to to really zero in on what I like I said I bristled against with this article and maybe it's this. Maybe it's this and tell me why I'm wrong. I guess I used I used the phrase litmus test earlier. The litmus test for me and why I, I keep using words like uneven playing field and asymmetric warfare and shit is that it's like the the hypothetical for me that is telling is like if people on the right, if whether it's the Trumpy people, whether it's just the Republican light people, whether it's just the straight up neoconservative people, privatize everything, it's like if you gave them free reign, 
what would the world look like? Like, let's say that it was just the Republicans. Well, then it's like, I care deeply about the environment. I don't think, I think everything would be fucked if, mm-hmm. if, if there were, if, if the Republicans could just do what they want and snap their fingers and make their, make their policies, enact their policies when it comes to uh, the environment. I care deeply about like nuclear non-proliferation. I think that's an issue that should get way more attention. I I don't know if if what the Democrats would do versus Republicans. Oh, I I can certainly say that the Republicans are you know. See, like I think said, the thing I think the thing is is like, and maybe this is the thing that you can sort of respect about the Republicans, but um, they don't hide the ball, whereas the Democrats do. Like. So, for instance, yeah, they'll put a bunch of like regulations and shit, quote unquote, in place um, for the environment. Right. But the very fact that you have. You you give private companies sort of free reign to do what they do. Eventually, those those uh, regulations and shit will erode. Mm -hmm. And so. Because the system that you're operating under is more geared toward allowing privatization in the market to sort of dictate how things work and what's viable, what's not, and and shit like that. So I think like the really with Trump is like we're on an accelerated path towards doomsday Whereas yeah. with the neoliberal Democrats, we're just on cruise control toward That's the right. end. I had that thought reading the uh, reading the Hedgers article too, and I I thought it was like because you know how coronavirus has sort of exacerbated and sped everything up, mm-hmm. like personally and systemically. Like right. motherfuckers who were gonna get married just decided to go down to town hall, and then businesses that were struggling just went out a bit. You know, it's like right. it, it cast into relief everything it exact so. When I was reading the Hedges article, that's what I was like. I was like, "Oh, Trump is the coronavirus of this sort of yeah. like historical track. He's he's sped up everything." Yeah. I had that exact thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's really that's why I said like this shit is a process. So it's like you can't really you can't look at the Trump administration outside the context of the Obama administration. Because the Obama administration laid the groundwork for a Trump administration to emerge in the same way that, you know, uh, George Bush taking us into Iraq and all of this shit, all the fallout with that laid the groundwork for somebody with a, you know, a black dude with a Muslim name to win president. Right. So you can't you can't disconnect those things. So for me, it's like I look at it like a process. We're here with Trump at this moment because of ineffectual governance and a neoliberal project that's geared toward helping the people in Trump's position. Fucking billionaires are straight. Like and ultimately, like that's what both sides of the aisle are working toward is making sure that, well, at least the people who have a lot of money are still cool and they're continuing to make money, which the coronavirus also shows you, which is wealth has the the most wealthy people in the country 
their wealth has, you know, grown exponentially. Like Bezos went from uh, being like a hundred. 20 billionaire to now 200 billionaire like mm. um so those sort of things remain constant no matter who's in office and i think to sort of tie it all together with like me you know talking about voting earlier is that's the part that people i think <clears throat> when it comes to the lesser of two evils argument where if you decide and you see this is what they're giving us and these are the ends that both sides of the aisle are fighting for, which is basically the same thing, then you actually do have the power to say, fuck it. Like, what, like imagine if everybody in America said, you know what, come November, what is it, 3rd or 4th? I don't know. I, I always thought, I don't know, actually. It's third or fourth. One, yeah, it's one of them. One of them. Yeah. Um, if everybody just said, fuck it, we're going to, we're not going to vote. Like, nobody cast a single vote, right? Because you guys aren't working. The government doesn't work for the people. So you shock the system in that way. But you only shock the system in that way if you understand what's going on. But you don't really get to that point because all you've been fed are divergent, you know, these these uh, diversions of mm-hmm. yeah. of Trump being, you know, this obnoxious ogre or Obama being this suave, articulate, you know, black dude and all like we're we're being fed images and shit like that so you aren't so you don't get involved in the real shit so you aren't asking questions about the real shit like you're just focused on personalities and the moment you're just focused on personalities and you sort of collapse all of these systemic issues into one single person then right you know then I, I, you, you totally miss the opportunity that you have to affect actual change. Of course. So, so we've been going for for a while now, but let's since we kind of quickly hit on it in the opening segment, but I definitely want to get to it. So maybe we can do like a a, a quick sort of like recapitulation mm-hmm. of what we were saying about the lesser of two evils argument. I've I've never be, been convinced by the pure like no one has ever convinced me in some kind of art like oh that's a solid argument like that's all true and that follows from that like um just in terms of like the pure lesser of two evils thing mm-hmm. so i guess do, where where do you where do you fall on on this on this whole, this idea of well since it is a lesser of two evils the the moral imperative is to just opt out of the decision altogether. Um, well, I would say if I was, I tell people to vote their conscience. So Mm -hmm. if you feel like you want to opt out of voting for the president, then don't vote for the president. 
Yeah. But voting the power that you have, the power that the real power that your vote carries is on the local level. So I would say vote down ballot, vote for the senator, vote for the um, house representative, vote for your fucking dog catcher or whatever. Like that's really that's more important than voting for the president anyway, because let's say, for instance, if progressives take the stand like, all right, fuck it, we don't have any sort of presidential representation. But we're going to vote all the progressives in to Congress, try to get some progressive senators in, and then they'll just be a blockade for the next Trump uh, administration. <clears throat> That's what the fucking Republicans did. They like in back to my point about the the Democrats being ineffectual is when Obama got into office, he had the supermajority. Like people sort of forget that he could have literally done anything <laughs> and yeah. would have gotten passed. Yeah, I forget. And, yeah. and so it, you for two years and really you the the president spends the president spends um sprint spends his because it's, it hasn't been a woman yet um spends his political capital in those first 100 days. So you had your first 100 days you had a supermajority and you you didn't do shit. So, you know, that that's but so I would say for that to but going back to which going back to the lesser of two evils thing. Yeah, I'm just I, I tell people to vote their conscience and and understand what what vote or which vote rather matters most to your daily life. And mm-hmm. and despite what people you know, despite how it's framed, the the sort of federal government has been hollowed out for the most part. And the Trump administration, if you live in a if you live in a uh, in a red state, then you may have to deal with those Trump policies because, you know, that governor, that that red state governor might may try to align, you know, their governance and their policies with the Trump administration or something like that. Maybe. Right. But when you really think about it, you got to worry about who the fuck your mayor is, your, uh, the local prosecutor, like shit like that is what really matters. And that's really where your vote counts, but that's not what's emphasized when we talk about the importance of voting. We, we all, we always sort of, look at voting as just being for the president and then that that you know that somehow sets the tone for the rest of the country which in actuality it doesn't you know it country states across the country are what they are california hasn't changed because trump is a you know neocon ogre right like it's still a liberal mostly liberal state that it's been since forever. Right. So same thing with Mississippi, Mississippi hasn't turned into some, you know, progressive bastion (laughs) or something. Right. Like, so think about, think about voting local and, and focus on that shit. That's, that's my advice. Like the lesser of two evils thing, I think is true. And I think you do have, 
more leeway to um but when you say the lesser of two evils thing is true what do you mean what do you mean um that that just the system operates off a lesser of two evils model oh yeah 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 yeah. like it's um yeah it's it's still the the whole it hinges upon the fact that it's a lesser evil Right, I think that's I think that's just descriptively correct. Yeah. I guess what what I what I can't wrap my head around is seeing people who call themselves progressive talk about like Trump's uh, deportation policies and ripping apart families at the border, but then advocating for you know omit not for like abstaining from voting. And I can't like, I can't really wrap my head around that because the counter, again, the counterfactual is would, would another president other than Trump be carrying out those policies. And so I can't seem well, to, yeah, you say that because, because the, because the, the, um, <laughs> the kids in cages isn't a Trump phenomenon. <laughs> like again, Obama was the deporter in chief. Those same border, um, you know, camps or whatever you want to call them, were operating under Obama. But is that what? But I mean, if people can, if if I just don't think that the people is uninformed about shit or under. Right, but you say history is a process. I don't think that that is what the policy would continue to be would we just like in a post trump presidency world yeah i mean well actually it would because because biden was asked on the campaign trail during the primary would he stop deportations and he said no (laughs) so it would it would be the same um but that's what that Part of it is this is a like we we're framing this as a, a as a pageantry, like we're looking at this is like oh well you know the Trump administration is gonna do this or that, and yeah because like I said it's a process certain things are going to happen just based on timing and and everything where we're where we're at at a particular time in history at a particular moment in history. So while I believe that Trump has accelerated a lot of stuff, the trajectory and the policies that are in place, the austerity, the very hawkish shit that's happening at the borders, the hawkish shit that's that's happening in the Middle East and all of that, all of that's going to continue to happen if you put fucking Barani in as president. (laughs) So like in that's. That's the thing is like people don't understand that part. And so the progressives who are saying, oh, well, you know, go, uh, you know, running down Trump's shit and then telling you don't vote. If they're telling you just don't vote, just abstain from voting, period, then they aren't progressive. If they're telling you to abstain from voting for the presidency based on consciousness, like based on your personal conscious, like I can't vote for Joe Biden or I can't vote for Donald Trump and I don't want to participate in this lesser of two evils shit or whatever. But you're advocating like voting for that progressive 
prosecutor or that, you know, progressive mayor or congressperson, then I think those two things jail. I think because that's my stance. Like I if you don't want to vote for the president, don't fucking vote for the president because largely it's not going to matter anyway. Because that shit boils down to the electoral college. And depending on what state you're in, that's that's what it boils down to. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Hillary Clinton is not the fucking president. Mm-hmm. Al Gore won the popular vote. Al Gore did not become the fucking president. So when people say like, oh, you, you need to vote and you have to vote. I mean, kind of, but not necessarily. Not not for the president, maybe for your local shit. And again, your local shit is what's going to affect your everyday life more than the president anyway. It, mm-hmm. If the fucking if it was up to the federal government, then, you know, medical marijuana wouldn't be a thing. But states have decided we're going to legalize this. We're going to do this. And because the states have certain certain amount of power and a certain autonomy they're able to do shit so you need to be worrying about who the fuck your governor is and so yeah and your senators and shit like that so completely agree that local local politicians affect individuals like the minutia of their everyday life far more and it, it hence the stakes are higher agree I agree that in a lot of situations, the electoral college, electoral college system makes an individual's vote a foregone conclusion. Like you're in New York, I'm in Connecticut. This shit is going for Biden. It's whoever the blue team throws up. Boom, that's right. it. I, I'm on. I'm, I get that. My what interests me is all other things being equal, but like you know, I guess it, it depends on on agreeing upon the facts. And now you could say. You can argue convincingly that the veneer between like a Trump versus Biden is going to be different. There's going to be more respectability with Biden, but the core is going to be the same. I'm actually fine with that. All I care about what interests me is like even like let's relegate it to the margins. Like are there going to be specific goods that you can attribute that you could attribute to a potential Biden that you couldn't? To the Trump, like the environment oh, shit, yeah, yeah. and then and then and then it, and then my question is like, what? But at what cost? What, but okay, fair enough. Then then that's the then you then the onus is on you to make that argument that ultimately that'll that'll come back to yeah, bite you. That's, 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 but that's my argument about okay. Biden administration, which is you had like Biden isn't isn't you know, gonna <laughs> all of a sudden become Bernie Sanders, right? right I totally agree. So, so we have to keep that in mind with who you're handing the keys over to. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. And if the people think, which is also my argument, that handing the keys over to Biden and by default, Harris that shit is going to be straight. We're going back to normal and we don't have to worry about anything. The moment that you think that now you're going to set yourself up for a worse Trump because you aren't pushing them to do anything for the people who actually need help. And really that's who 
that's who won Trump the election. The people in black people in Wisconsin said, fuck Hillary Clinton. I'm not voting. You had uh, working class and working poor white people vote for Trump because at the very least, he said he was going to do some shit for him. Hillary Clinton didn't even show up. So. The I, I would say, like, if if you have people really pushing and really like and I don't and, and you, the only way you are able to hold people accountable to that scale or to that level is if you have like a mass movement of people to really do that shit. And that's what like, you know, I have my critiques of the, the civil rights movement, but they have motherfuckers out in the streets all the time, organized, doing shit, right? And got legislation passed. If you aren't like, if you don't have a sustained movement that's whose scope is beyond the personality of the incumbent, then you're fucked. Because all you're all you're weighing, you're you're laying your shit on, let's get the person who's in office right now out of office. You have zero plan for what goes what goes forward. Or how we go forward, rather. You have no plan for that. Or you haven't expressed one. <laughs> and so at that point, you're laying the groundwork for a, another situation like this. And again, like I said, somebody who will be far more incompetent and far worse. Competent. Far more competent. Oh, I, I said incompetent? Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. Okay. No, no, far more, but, you, but you mean yeah, far more competent, yeah, right? far yeah. more competent and and far worse in terms of their just outlook and cynicism and in in sort of just human rights abuses and shit like that. Like the shit is gonna get worse if people think that you can just go back to sleep with Biden and Harris and think the shit well, is gonna be straight. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> so that's it. All right, we've been that's what, we got two hours, almost two hours. Two hours, uh, well, yeah, but uh, like an hour and a half, really. Yeah, yeah, like fifteen minutes of it to be chopped. Yep. All right. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who is uh, still there, who hung on yeah. to the end. Thank you to right. Hale for suggesting this article and prompting this discussion. Right. Thank you, Kevin. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I was I was caught off guard by that. <laughs> um, what are we doing? What are we, what are we doing next? Oh, that maybe that's a behind the scenes thing. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a BTS. Okay, BTS. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the uh, for whenever we do the Patreon. That's I know. That, yeah, that yeah, Patreon Patreon content will be able to get to behind the scenes. Right. 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 It takes, we'll, you can t- we'll take hey, we're gonna go for our text. We're gonna we're gonna make the Patreon move in in the, real soon. Yep. Real soon. All right. Thanks everyone. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs>